Hey everyone, and a very warm welcome to Grow Your Own Way, a podcast for anyone looking to reclaim the power of their own personal growth and be exactly who they want to be. I'm your host, Kevin Roberts, and I am a coach, learning and development professional, and growth geek who genuinely gets joy out of helping people become the best versions of themselves. Throughout this podcast, we aim to give everyone the belief that there is no one right way to grow, and hopefully we will inspire and motivate people to forge their own paths and in turn live a life that is true to them. Today's episode is part one of our two-part special on emotional intelligence, and we're going to focus on what it means to be emotionally intelligent, the impact it can have, and we're also going to look to take the first steps on our journey of self-awareness. So, if you're ready, let's get started. So this two-part special is based on a topic that I've referenced in a few previous podcasts, um, and this year it's one that I seem to be coaching more and more people on. Uh, And I suppose with everything that's been going on, there have been changes to the way that we react to certain situations, maybe how we react to news reports and how we react to each other as well. And the emotions that people have experienced have have really been kind of heightened this year. Um, And throughout this year, every time I've coached someone, I thought to myself, you know what, I think that could make a good podcast episode. And the more I thought about it, as if by magic, I had a few listener requests saying, actually, this is a topic that people want to hear a bit more about. So now seems like a good time as ever just to talk about it. And as I said in the intro, the topic that I'd like to talk to you about is emotional intelligence. And I'm sure that you'll have various different levels of knowledge of emotional intelligence. And the topic is so vast that it can take quite a while to talk through. Uh, I mean, I've delivered it in 90-minute sessions, but I've also attended courses that have lasted half a day. Uh, I even got invited to one that lasted an entire week as well. So as you can imagine, it's, it's a topic that I could talk on and on about. Uh, and that's why I've split it into two episodes. I, I think breaking it down that way is just a bit easier for you to digest. So in today's episode, we're going to explore what emotional intelligence actually is uh, and the impact it can have on us. Uh, and then I'll introduce you to the first of, of four pillars that are at its core. But before I begin, I, I want you to consider one question for me. And, and that is, how open are you to change? And that seems like a very simple question, but it's one that is incredibly important when we talk about emotional intelligence and its effectiveness. If you find that you genuinely resist change uh, and, you, and you don't kind of often look inwards, emotional intelligence may not necessarily be something that comes naturally. Um, so I invite everyone just to really give it a chance and really kind of almost make yourself vulnerable for this episode. Both episodes will ask you to look very much inwards. And really the only person who can make you more emotionally intelligent is, is yourself. So with that in mind, let's let's kick off with a definition. Uh, and I suppose the best definition that I've found is that emotional intelligence is the ability to understand use and manage your emotions in positive ways to relieve stress, uh, communicate effectively, empathize with others, overcome challenges and diffuse conflict. So I say a simple definition, it's quite lengthy really, but I suppose that the key part of that relates to emotions. So it's how well you recognize your own, uh, how well you control how you react uh, and how you can take a step back from your emotion just to look at the bigger picture. And I suppose that the goal of emotional intelligence is to work on your ability to manage and even control those emotions that you experience. Now, as I talk about this subject to you, and generally one of the biggest challenges I face when I, when I talk about this, this topic, is that people can often refer to, the, to decades of research that suggests that who we are today, how we react, the emotions we experience are all impacted by childhood. Um, our experiences, our geography, and so on and so on. So that means that if we witness something as a child, certain reactions, we mimic them, we encode them into our brains, and those learned behaviours then dictate how we react to people or situations later in life. 
Now, yes, that is widely accepted. I'm not disputing that. Where differences uh, in opinion tend to appear is whether or not those learned behaviours can be changed or whether we'll just always be the way that we are. Um, and only really, only until a few decades ago, there was the school of thought, it was the latter. It was just the way that we are now, the way that we react is just who we are. Our brain stopped developing in early adulthood, so anything that was encoded by then can't be changed. Uh, I'm sure we've all heard the saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. However, uh, advances in neuroscience have, have since disproved that way of thinking. Um, and I think one term that sums it up nicely is neuroplasticity. Now, this term suggests that whilst old behaviours like create neural pathways in the brain, we can actually rewire them. So we can change those pathways that have been created over decades of time and actually learn new ways to act or react. Or, as the definition stated earlier, we can change how we manage our emotions. And that uh, new science, if you want to call it that, just really shows how much our emotional intelligence is actually in our own hands. And, and that's what this episode is trying to do. So if you are someone who thinks, that's just the way I am, or you've heard people say that, I'm really trying to challenge your kind of thought process there and just see if you can take something from these two episodes about maybe improving your emotional intelligence. Now, I know some of you may automatically be thinking now, why, well, why is this important? Why does it matter if we improve our emotional intelligence or not? Uh, and to be fair, that is a good question. Uh, it's, it's one that I, I get a lot. And luckily for me, there are lots of reasons as to why it's important. Uh, so I can generally kind of find the right one where, when I'm going through coaching sessions. But I'll give you a few and you can take your pick out which ones help you. Um, but emotional intelligence can help you build stronger relationships. It can help you succeed at work. Uh, it can help your, your mental well-being and your physical well-being. Um, and it's also central to achieving your goals. So both your career goals and your personal goals. And as always, like I say, when I say something like that, people challenge me to try and prove it. Uh, so I'm always happy to give it a go. And luckily, I've, I've got some, some thoughts to share with you. And if we start with maybe how it makes you more successful at work, one of the more popular studies that people reference was completed by a couple of uh, doctors, uh, Dr. Travis Bradbury and Dr. Jean Greaves. Uh, and they tested over half a million people across different industries and across different levels. And the reason that their research is so important is because they found clear evidence of impact on performance correlating to emotional intelligence. They found that, and this is, a, remember, this is across industries and levels, they found that 90% of top performers scored highly on emotional intelligence. And when you compare that to low performers, they really scored 20%. So there's a direct correlation there between the level of someone's emotional intelligence and how well they perform. Um, on top of that, they found out that those who were higher on emotional intelligence were more likely to get opportunities than those who were low. Um, and to top it off, they found that people with higher emotional intelligence earned on average 29,000 a year more than those who scored lower. So just from a professional side, you can see there are lots of benefits of having strong emotional intelligence. But if you step away from the professional side, emotional intelligence also helps your health. Um, so if we look at your physical health, if you are, for example, unable to manage your emotions, the chances are that you are also not able to manage your stress levels. Now, when we look at that, we know that stress levels lead to health issues like high blood pressure. But when we think of our mental health too, it's widely accepted that the core to good mental health is the awareness of your emotions uh, and being able or un being unable rather or refusing to acknowledge those emotions can even make you more vulnerable to anxiety and even depression. And then another reason is if you think on top of that, I suppose it's more the more visible impact of having high emotional intelligence is the impact it has on relationships. Now, I've personally had relationships strengthened and weakened by my own ability to understand my emotions. 
uh, my own ability to manage those emotions. And I know I'm not the only one there. Emotional intelligence is central to having strong, effective and lasting relationships. And as we go through the episodes, hopefully you'll be able to see why that is. But hopefully by now you're all on board with understanding why it's important uh, and you're eagerly listening to say, okay, how do I do it then? How do I become more emotionally intelligent? Uh, well, fear not, we're going to look at that now. And when we look at the foundations of emotional intelligence, uh, I think it's widely accepted there are four key pillars. Now, some research will suggest there's actually five, but all they do is just recategorize those four and call them something else. Um, but however you want to look at it, it's all the same topics. Um, they may have different names, but the concepts are exactly the same. If anything, I just think that shows just how much has been written about this, this topic, I suppose. Um, but anyway, uh, the, the four pillars I'm going to talk you through are self-awareness, self-regulation, social awareness, and relationship management. Uh, and I suppose our overall goal is to improve our ability in all four of those pillars. Uh, there's lots of connections, there's lots of links, so, so help, improving one will help you improve another. But on today's episode, we're just going to talk you through one, which is self-awareness. And in the second episode, we'll look at the other three pillars. And I suppose just before I kick into it, you, as I go through all these pillars and all these topics, you may very well be able to listen, um, understand the, the descriptions and the concepts and quickly identify which areas that you need the most development in. Um, and if you can do that, grand, crack on. Um, however, I would always recommend that you just do a quick internet search uh, look for emotional intelligence quiz. There's loads out there and just complete one of them. Uh, there's there are, there's loads of free ones out there. There are some that are very short, some that are quite lengthy, but very simply, they ask you a bunch of questions and then just spit out a score for each of those pillars. Um, it could be a good way to kind of get you started about where you think you may need to Im improve your emotional intelligence. But anyway, let's, let's look at the first pillar, which I said is self-awareness. Uh, now, this is a great place to start as it, I, I think it's arguably the most important pillar um, and it impacts all your other pillars as well. And generally those who are high in emotional intelligence have a great ability for self-awareness. Um, and self-awareness is defined as the ability to recognize our emotions and understand how they affect our thoughts and behaviors. Okay, so it's all about recognizing and understanding our emotions. And to help us, help us with that, I suppose the, the best place to start is to start with our brains. Now, as you can imagine, our brains more often than not act on autopilot, and quite rightly so. We're bombarded with millions and bits of information every second, uh, and being consciously aware of them and categorizing them all would just be impossible. I say we couldn't, we, we wouldn't be able to do it. So we trust our brains to do the hard work for us. They filter out what is important for us to take note of and be aware of, uh, like hazards in our lives. Um, and they just take control of the things that we don't need to think about. Stuff like breathing, I say that, that works on autopilot. However, what that also means is that our brains take responsibility for so many of our, our automatic or gut shot reactions and generally the ones that are emotionally led. And if you just think about it, how often have you reacted or experienced an emotional outburst without even thinking about it? It could be that maybe you get frustrated with yourself because you've dropped a glass. Uh, you curse at someone because they've, they've cut you up in the car. Or maybe a really common one is, is you tend to get really defensive if someone criticizes you or tries to blame you. And this is not new. It is far from new. It's not unusual. These reactions have been hardwired into our brains based on years of previous experience. As I said earlier, like I say, our previous experiences, our childhood will create these new pathways. And they're hardwired in. And the reason they're hardwired in is because when those situations occur again, our brains don't have to do too much work. They can act on autopilot. They see the path that's been created and they just follow it. And just so happens, whatever emotion you experienced, you're going to experience time and time and time again. 
And when we talk about improving our self-awareness, what we mean is, is we're understanding these reactions. We're understanding when we act on autopilot. It's understanding the emotions that we're feeling, understanding what those emotions are doing to our state of mind and understand how they're affecting us on our day-to-day lives. And if I bring this to life, I bring this to life with a couple of examples of people who maybe lack self-awareness. And as I share these, chances are you're going to recognize these people in your life. So if you look at one end of the spectrum, there are people who tend to get stressed or frustrated incredibly easily. Um, It's just the smallest thing and often an irrelevant thing that can just cause them to blow up. They will often be rude. They'll snap at people. They'll even bark orders at people. Um, And as I say that, you may be thinking, that sounds familiar. I know a few people who are like that. Um, And put simply, these people are just letting their emotions get the better of them. And the reason that happens is because they have not taken time to recognize or understand what they're feeling. Or in short, they haven't dedicated time to become self-aware. And what does that mean? What does that mean in the long run? What impact does that have? Well, it's that kind of behavior that will inevitably lead to damaged relationships. They will end up alienating people. And as they can't control their, 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 their physical emotions, it's going to impact their physical health as well. Then if you look at the other side of the coin, you'll have those who, who just bury their emotions deep, deep down. Uh, it's almost as if they don't want to know what they're feeling. They just want to ignore it and just get on with life. They, they never really show how they're feeling uh, to themselves or to other people. They just don't acknowledge it. And they genuinely may think that's actually healthy because uh, they're, they're never in conflict. They, they never kind of upset anyone. They just get on with life. But what it's actually doing is preventing anyone from getting close to them. It's preventing anyone to kind of really see underneath all those layers. But maybe more alarmingly, there's actually research that shows that masking your emotions can lead to like negative behaviors, things like uh, uh, overworking or overeating. Or if you want to kind of push the boat a little bit more, it actually there's evidence that it proves to addictive behaviors such as excessive drinking or gambling because people are looking for something else to do other than look inwards. Now, yes, I know that they are two complete extremes of people. I get that. But hopefully what that does is it brings it to life and brings the importance of self-awareness. Because once we all agree with its importance, we can then ask the question, how do we become more self-aware? And that is such an amazing question to ask. And I really hope, I I want more and more people to ask that. Um, It's a question that's been asked for for so long. And I literally can walk into your nearest bookstore and there will be countless numbers of self-help books telling you how to become more self-aware. But if I were to sum it up, I, I would just say that it is about paying more attention to the present moment. Paying attention to your thoughts and your feelings right now as you experience them. Or you may be predicting this is this has got another word for it. It's just simply practicing mindfulness. Now, I know when I say that word, I know that causes reactions. Um, and I generally get two different reactions. Um, there are those who really buy into it. Um, they, they, they know what I'm talking about. They agree with me. They say, yes, Gavin, yes, you, are, you know what you're talking about. And then I get people who they just roll their eyes at me. Um, for some reason, these people think that mindfulness is, is all a, a bit too hippy-dippy for them. And that's their words, by the way, not mine. And all they think about are people doing yoga in the middle of a forest, hugging trees or tai chi on a beach or something like that. And yes, they, they are types of mindfulness. I'm, I will never dismiss those. I, I, I meditate, I do yoga. But what I want to say is there's so much more to it than that. Yoga, tai chi, meditation, all wonderful ways to practice mindfulness. But they're not the only ways. And I'm sure there are people who need to hear that. If you are thinking, actually, I want to practice mindfulness, but I don't want to bend, I don't want to kind of sit there in silence, then there are different things you can do. Um, and that's what I'm going to try and share with you today. So if, if you are someone who, who is happy with their meditation, is happy with their yoga, please crack on, absolutely crack on. Um, but if you are looking for something else, maybe here's a couple of things that could help. 
And I suppose that the best thing or the best piece of advice I can give is just at any point in a day, just press pause. At any point, no matter what day it is, no matter what you're doing, just press pause and just ask yourself one question. And that is, how am I feeling right now? You don't have to do any stretches. You don't have to sit in silence. You can do it literally as you're listening to me now. Do it right now. Just pause. Just think. Ask yourself the question, how am I feeling at this very moment? And when you ask yourself that question, what comes to mind? What emotions are you feeling? And when I say this, be sure to articulate a specific emotion or feeling. It's far too easy to say, oh, I don't really know. And I'm guilty of that as well. But really look, are you happy? Are you content? Are you stressed? Are you sad? Are you excited? Are you anxious? There are so many emotions to choose from. So which one are you right now? Now, for some of you, that may take a little bit longer because it could be the first time you've ever done that. But really think, um, once you've got an answer, what, what, just think of your answer and congratulations, you've just practiced mindfulness. And it can be as simple as that. Yes, you can meditate and get the answer. Yes, you can yo- do some yoga and, and, and practice mindfulness. But you can also just go get a cup of tea and, and get the answer. And I suppose that the long-term goal of when people talk about mindfulness is to be able to recognize your emotions as and when they appear. Because managing them in real time is so much easier than managing them retrospectively. Now, I would imagine that a lot of our listeners are are not able to do that. I'm certainly nowhere near there yet. I I improve my ability to do it, but there are still moments I act on autopilot. But if that is you, and if this is something that maybe you'd love to kind of start working on, then start small. You don't have to kind of throw yourself into something if you're not comfortable. So just start very small and say, four o'clock every day, just set an alarm. And when that alarm goes off, ask yourself how you're feeling. You can write it down, you can tell someone, you can keep it to yourself, whatever you want to do with it. But the goal there is to recognize it. And if you were like me and you hadn't acknowledged your emotions for like 15 years, doing it just once a day for a week has such an incredible impact. Uh, I I can't describe it. I I found seven different emotions that I didn't realize I was capable of doing. Um, I didn't show them on the surface. I just wasn't aware. I had to wait for people to tell me what I was feeling because I'd lacked the self-awareness to recognize that myself. Um, so give that a go. Uh, and I really, I really do employ it. It's a fantastic thing to do. And, and once you kind of build that habit, you can then start kind of adding habits or, or building with that habit. You could either set a few alarms a day. So set two or three. Um, you can ask yourself that question every time you make a cup of tea. Uh, I heard a story of someone who practices mindful uh, brushing of their teeth. So uh, not only are they, they're just present, they don't kind of think about the day, they're just focusing on brushing their teeth and they ask the questions, how am I feeling? Where am I right now? So, so give it a go. And like I say, the purpose is to be able to recognize how you are feeling more often, being self-aware of where you are more often. And another very important part of self-awareness, where we're talking about registering emotions, but be sure to register your extreme emotions too. Now, yes, in a perfect world, we we wouldn't necessarily have these extreme emotions, but hey, we're all human, we're going to have them. But when you begin to improve your self-awareness, when you have a sudden, say, burst of angriness, acknowledge it, label it, recognize it, and just take a little time to understand what caused that reaction. Now, it could be a serious event, like someone was in danger. Fine, okay, we know that's going to happen. But maybe, just maybe, it was a culmination of, of a million tiny little things. And if it is the latter then that really demonstrates the need to check in on your emotions regularly. Rather than waiting for that extreme moment, if you just check in maybe once a day, twice a day, you'll be able to catch yourself sooner, maybe feeling a little bit tense, feeling a little bit on edge, feeling a little bit sad. And when you recognize them in the moment on those days, 
that is self-awareness and you can control that. And we'll move on to that more in the next episode. But if you can catch what you're, you're doing, you can prevent those extreme reactions. And we know, we all know what impact extreme reactions can have, whether we react at work or to a loved one. So a great way to start with your emotional intelligence is to just become a little bit more self-aware every day. And I promise you, the more that you practice this mindful awareness of your emotions, the more you will be able to influence the other pillars of emotional intelligence too. Uh, And you know what? That seems like a great place to stop for this episode. Um, Self-awareness is such a key factor in building our emotional intelligence. So I think it's really important that we stop and we dedicate some time to focus on it even if it's just for a week, um, but just really focusing on that first. When we come back to episode two, you'll maybe be in a bit bit of a deeper position to understand the other three pillars as well. Uh, So give it a go, schedule some time just to ask yourself, how am I feeling right now? Um, Whether it's you set an alarm on your phone or whether you do it every time before you go to bed. Um, But if you want to let me know how you're getting on with that or you want to share your own mindfulness tips with me, please do just find me on LinkedIn or if it's easier, I've now joined the world of Instagram. Not entirely sure what I'm doing on there, but I'm there. So you can message me. Um, Just search for official grow your own way. That's official grow your own way. Um, And you'll see my, you'll see the podcast logo pop up there. But for now, I I just want to say thanks for listening. Uh, I hope that you all stay safe and well, and I hope that you'll join me soon for part two uh, and the next episode of grow your own way. Goodbye.